Welcome back into the Royals Farm Report. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Alex Duvall. How are you doing on this fine Sunday? Joel, I'm doing good. Um, just got done watching the Royals embarrass themselves once again down in Arlington. Um, that was one of the more pathetic performances this past weekend that I've seen from the Royals in a long time. So um, I did decide I was going to turn on the game today. I was, um, you know, just hanging out all day, turned on a baseball game on my computer, had the double-A game on my computer. I had the triple-A game on my phone for a little bit while Jackson Coar was pitching and then had the Royals game on the TV. And, I mean, God almighty, I wasn't even watching it by about the fifth, sixth inning. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't really know what the answer is. I'm not going to pretend to know what the answer is. There's a couple moves that I think are obviously need to be made. Um, thinking about writing up something like that for, for a Monday morning article. But uh, in any case, it's been bad, and they got to get the ship righted pretty quick or they're going to lose their fan base before the All-Star game again. Yeah, it's it's been a really rough stretch, and I don't want to go too far into that because we, I mean, the the issues are very glaring. It's not like there's anything we have to deep dive into regarding how painful it, how painfully bad it's been. Um, I, I've actually kind of sworn off watching the Royals for a little bit, not out of like protest or oh, I'm you know fair weather fan. I, there are just many more players that I'm more interested in watching right now. Like I wa- I was really locked into the Rays Angels series with uh, Wander Franco, Shohei Otani. Uh, I watched Fernando Tatis Jr. hit three tanks for the Padres uh, on Friday night. So I will say, like, as much as it sucks watching some bad Royals baseball right now, I'm glad I don't put all of my chips into one basket when it comes to my baseball fandom because I there are other players that I was able to watch and still enjoy some baseball this weekend. Yep, and that's the that is the brilliancy of minor league baseball and minor league baseball TV at the moment, even though – Asa Lacey, we got um, two starts from Asa Lacey this week and didn't get to watch either of them because they don't have a feed in – I'm gonna, just going to say Wisconsin because I don't know how to pronounce the name of that city. but um, The Snappers. Yeah, yeah. the Snappers. The Snappers don't have a feed. So, yeah. Nope, that's, that's what minor league and college baseball are for, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, College World Series was – God, I, I don't want to get too far into that one, but Vandy Mississippi State is going to be a hell of a series and fun to watch this coming week. Uh, but let, let's go into the week that was uh, for the Royals affiliates. A lot of fun stuff uh, came out of every affiliate at, at various points of the weekend. Then the week, actually, because they played six-game series, which is still a little odd to me. Like, I know we're, you know, like, what, a month and a half or, you know, a little almost two full months into the minor league season. It, it's still weird seeing six-game series come across. But nonetheless, let's start in Columbia. Yeah, the uh, Fireflies, uh, Daryl Collins. I, and so the broadcast said this last night, and I didn't look it up to verify it, so I'm just going to assume it's true. Um, Daryl Collins hits a walk-off grand slam Saturday night for the Fireflies' third consecutive victory, meaning they at least they guaranteed themselves a series split. And the broadcast said it's the first walk-off home run in the history of the Columbia Fireflies. I don't know when the Columbia Fireflies became a team, but that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, first walk-off history first walk-off home run in club history. So um, that's what he said. Maybe he meant Grand Slam. I really don't know. But pretty cool either way. Uh, Columbia right now is actually still playing. We're recording. It's like 7.30 on Sunday night. So Columbia is still playing. Uh, Myrtle Beach has got them down three in the top of the ninth. So we're going to go ahead and pretend they split the series three to three. Um, Daryl Collins obviously keeps hitting his WRC+. Plus. Um, 
this season is like 123, and I think he had another hit and a walk again today, so probably more like 125. He continues to be really good. Michael Garcia continues to hit well. He's still walking out more than he strikes out. Um, the, the power hasn't really come around for Michael Garcia yet, but I have seen some of the batted ball data, and he does hit the ball well. It's not like he has like max exit velocity is, is impressive, but he hits the ball relatively hard really consistently. Um, so I do think there's, there's good like 30 to 40 doubles like pop in there because the hit tool is so good. Uh, he's got a one WRC plus around 130. Kale Emshoff hit another home run as an oppo taco blast in the right field. Um, he's been pretty good. Juan Carlos Negret hit another home run. He's been um, okay of late um, for the season. Still not very good. Still striking out over 40% of the time. Another guy who's striking out almost 40% of his plate appearances is Brady McConnell. He continues to struggle. His batting average is now below 200. So um, Brady McConnell, 23 years old and low A, hitting below the Mendoza line. Um, I know I know he's dealt with some stuff that's, you know, probably not fair to evaluate, um, but uh, still kind of a disappointing season for him. Um, on the mound, Ryland Kaufman looked pretty good a couple different times. Um, they got a, they got a decent start out of Delvin Capel and a decent start out of Adrian Alcantara this week. So, um, you know, they continue to play right above par, right above 500 baseball, but a decent week and a series split for the Columbia Fireflies. So I looked it up because I was curious. I saw that come across too, and it said first walk-off home run in Fireflies history. And I was like, that that doesn't sound right. Like nothing about that makes sense because they've probably been a, a minor league team for whatever for however long. Uh, they've only been around since 2016. They were the Savannah Sand Mats before, and they relocated to Columbia, South Carolina in 16. So, you know, five years of an organization, that's a, it's a little more plausible than I initially thought. So we'll, we'll roll with it because that's what we were told. Uh, but yeah, Daryl Collins, and only being 19, hitting right around 30% above league average right now when you look at weighted runs created plus. Uh, it's incredibly impressive. His swing is solid. He makes solid contact pretty consistently. Um, you know, some of, some of those things, it's, it's impressive to see what he's been able to do. Um, yeah, Rylan Kaufman, and th- this is why ERA and some of like just looking at stats can lie to you sometimes. His ERA is a little over five, but the FIP, the field independent pitching, is closer to three and a half, which is above average or right about that. So he's been a lot better than a lot of the data is going to show. Um, and he's been, you know, he's had a, he had a really rough start to begin the year where I don't even think he got out of the first inning, but really since then he's been a lot better and turned in, uh, some decent starts with Columbia. So it, that's, a, that's at least encouraging to see. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on, uh, to our guys in the quad cities, didn't get to watch a single game of theirs this week because the snappers don't have a feed, but they did go four and two. Asa Lacey made a couple different starts today. He struck out nine batters, in four innings, only allowed one run, and that was on some base running shenanigans. Uh, the guy stole second. They throw down. The guy runs home. Um, and then um, his first start of the week, he allowed three runs in four innings, striking out six, walking two. So uh, seven walks in eight innings is – I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Five walks in eight innings is an improvement. It's still not great, but it's an improvement. He allowed four runs in those eight innings and struck out 15. That now gives him, if I remember correctly, something like 38 strikeouts in his last 20 innings, 40 strikeouts in his last 20 innings, something like that. 
he is striking out the world, still battling the command a little bit. But, you know, I've given the Blake Snell comp on him before for a reason. It's He's going to be a little wild. Like, he's always been a little wild. He's a little wild going back to his days of college. So, um, if he can be Blake Snell, where he gives you consistently five innings of one-run ball with eight, nine strikeouts, I think you're going to take that from Asa Lacey. Blake Snell uh, won a Cy Young doing that. So, um, you know, Asa Lacey – I know a lot of folks are, oh, the control, the control. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, he's he's working. He had, he What, he made like four starts all of 2020. So uh, let's give him a little bit of a break. He's still working back. Um, the command has always been something that, that folks were questionable of. Um, and he's starting to rein that in a little bit. Offensively, Vinny Pasquantino continues to be too good for high A. I really wouldn't be shocked if he's promoted here soon. Um, there are some reasons to be skeptical that, He's not going to carry a 150 WRC plus with him to double A. Swings maybe a little too often, but the thing that Vinny Pasquantino has that a lot of other big power hitters don't have is while he swings a little too much, he don't miss. He's only striking out in 16% of his plate appearances. His swinging strike rate is like that of like a Tucker Bradley um, or a Michael Massey. Like he, he has like really, really good swinging strike numbers um, to go with a very impressive K rate. Doesn't walk a lot for a guy who's for a lot of power. But, again, if you're not missing and you're doing damage with pitches that you're swinging at, you know, you can't really blame him. So, hopefully that doesn't rear like an ugly head when he gets to double A. But, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time you guys are listening to this, Vinny Pasquantino was in double A. The obvious roadblock is Nick Prado. And when do they want to move Prado to triple A? You know, I, I don't know how the organization views Pasquantino, and that's kind of the biggest – most important part of being promoted is how the org views your readiness. And, and I don't know what that is, but he's consistently just bopped home runs and doubles in that three, four spot in the lineup. So um, probably not looking at more than another week or so until one Vinny Pasquantino is on his way to double a, our, our guy. And he, he's killing it. And he's, he's making us want to move him. He's working his way up our board uh, for mid mid season rankings. We said like there was a chance he could move up, could, you know, helium rise in our prospect rankings midseason or completely fall off and he's proving the former right at this point he said 154 wrc plus just crushing the ball i think he had a three hit night a couple days ago hit his 13th home run of the season yesterday um you know one of the better hitters in all of high a at this point and guys with similar batted ball profiles in high a at this point that are his age or younger are striking out nearly 30 percent of the time and he's less than 16 percent so he, he is too good for the level, and I, it would not surprise me if he is in Northwest Arkansas here in the near future. Another guy, Michael Massey, he had a four-hit game uh, the other night. I believe it was Saturday night. There were some wild games. Go back, and if you, can, if you follow Quad Cities on Twitter, go back and look at some of the games they played this weekend. Absolutely wild. But Michael Massey, with some, the, some of the performances he had this week, got his WRC Plus up to 107, starting to hit the ball for, with a little more consistent consistency and a little more power than what was there at the beginning of the year. So that's an encouraging sign as well. Uh, lot, lots to like, and th there were some high scoring games. They were getting perfect gamed into the ninth today on Sunday and ended up winning the game uh, in 10 innings to play three consecutive extra inning games. Just, just a wild weekend for the river bandits. Yeah. Real quick before we go on to double um, a uh, really quick on the on the mound, Will Klein five and two thirds innings this week with ten strike or with eleven strikeouts. Oh my God, uh, his strikeouts per nine 
is like getting really close. Like, and, and by the way, his strikeouts per nine over his last like five appearances is like 18. Like it's getting really high. He's starting to kind of feel the rhythm. If you just, if you just cut out his first outing, which was uh, he walked four guys in an inning. So if you just cut out one outing, his first professional outing of his career, he has now thrown 27.2 innings pitched with 48 strikeouts to 16 walks. Um, that's really good. It's really, really good. good. The fastball breaking ball combo is going to play. It does look like they're going to keep him in the bullpen. Um, I really thought there's a chance he could start. I'm st- we're kind of starting to see the command, you know, become an issue for a starter as a reliever. The fastball breaking ball combo is dominant. I do think he's going to be in the big league bullpen uh, by 2023. Um, really, really good uh, scouting by the Royals development staff to grab him in the fifth round of last year's draft. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and one last note, and this is bigger than baseball, but it was really cool that the oh, snappers yeah. in Quad Cities, uh, they worked it out to where – uh, Logan Porter, who's catcher for Quad Cities, uh, his brother Cam is in the Army and came home from a deployment overseas and surprised him at the game in the middle of the game. As the son of someone who served – my dad, my father served in the Army for 30 years. Uh, I've been a part of some of those homecomings uh, and seen many of them in my life, and they never fail uh, to not you know, make me cry. It happens every single time, and that was a really good feel-good moment and if you have the opportunity to go and watch that video, definitely, definitely do so. Yeah, that was cool. And it was, and you know, a lot of those is most of the time when we watch those videos, it feels like you're watching an adult come home to kids. And so the, the kids get really excited and they, you know, run up to mom and dad's arms or older brother, older sister's arms. I don't know. I'm <clears throat> purely speculating, but that looked like Logan Porter's little brother like the way he kind of like tussled his head and whatever. And so it was, it almost looked more like little brother was happier to be home to see big brother and big brother was just happier to see him safe. Right. <clears throat> so I don't know. It was kind of a weird twist to that homecoming that I, frankly, I don't know that I've ever seen before. So that was really cool to see. And like you said, I, like we said, the snappers don't have a feed. So I didn't get to see that pregame. And when the river bandits tweeted that out today, that was, Really, really special. Like, those are some of the coolest moments in the world. So, it, it was cool to see that. I'm glad you brought that up because I would have forgotten it. All right, let's move on to, to AA Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, AA Northwest Arkansas got uh, beat today. Dyer Blanco, I thought he tied the game in the bottom of the ninth with a home run, and it got robbed. So, Northwest Arkansas is down 10-11, bottom nine. Blanco hits it over the fence. Center fielder robs it to win the game. That was, like, that was out number three. So, uh, Northwest Arkansas wound up with a split. Angel Zerpa uh, made his first two double-A starts this past week. Um, on Tuesday, he struck out nine and in five innings pitch. He also gave up like seven hits. Um, but obviously, when you strike out nine and don't walk any, like your FIP's going to be in great shape. Today, second double-A start facing the exact same team. Didn't go quite as well. He got hit around pretty good. Uh, I think he only struck out one guy in an inning and two-thirds. So, you know, it happens. I have absolutely no concerns about him. Uh, but it is interesting to see how good his command has been. And, 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 and that's something for a guy that only throws like 93, 94. He did top out at 96 Tuesday, which I'd never seen him do that before. But 
that does change some things. But let's just, you know, for a guy, a lefty who sits 92, 93, 94, and doesn't have great, like, late life and or movement like Brady Singer does, he almost throws, like, too many strikes. And we mentioned that when he was at high A. It's like, when he gets to double A, how's the fastball going to play? And, you know, sometimes I feel like it gets hit. Like he, he's like, he throws too many strikes and guys just sit there and wait for it. And when he's not commanding his off speed stuff, like he wasn't today, the fastball is very hittable. So, um, will be a lot of fun to watch how he adjusts. He is 21 years old. He just struck out nine batters in his double a debut should be zeros concerned about him, but it was kind of an interesting thing. It'd be fun to watch him develop. Um, Nick Prado this week hit home run number 13, hit number 13, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. hit number 12, which was really number 13. MJ Melendez today hit number 13. Clay Dungan's up to five. Uh, this team, it's, it's kind of weird because after you, you, the, you know, they have four hitters. It's Dungan, Witt, Prado, Melendez. And then number nine, they have Rudy Martin. And in between, there's really not a whole lot of thump. Um, and so this team is like sitting right around 500. They've been like 500 all year. Um, Jonathan Bowen goes down, Alec Marsh dealing with some bicep soreness. He should be back soon, but he's not pitching right now. Um, and some of the guys they really needed if they wanted to contend for like a double A central title aren't there. What I do think is interesting is the opportunity that is open in Omaha right now with Ryan O'Hearn with the big league club. If they wanted to put Prado at triple A and let him go up there with Bobby Witt Jr. and compete for a triple A championship this year the guys that were in Omaha did a great job of getting their record to where they're like, they have like the most wins in triple a. So they could ship those, those guys up there. They have opportunity now and they could go win a championship still. So, so some good opportunity there for some guys, if they want to promote them, um, we're going to find out here in a minute, maybe if one of those things isn't is or isn't already uh, in progress. I doubt it. I'm just saying, uh, if you've, I'm, I'm being cryptic as if you didn't read the title, I'm going to put on the podcast in the morning. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk to Nick Prado here in a minute. So we'll ask Nick about, you know, maybe if he is eating his last dinner at the double A ranks. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was the week in review for Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. I don't have too much to add here. I mean, it, it's kind of like a broken record at this point where we talk about, it feels like at one point or another, it's Clay Dungan, Nick Prado. MJ Melendez, Bobby Wood Jr. And they're all producing. They're also doing really good things, hitting the ball collectively well at the same time. They're, they're all, all of them have weighted runs created plus up around like 120 or better, I believe. So it, Clay Dung is at 119. So 119, he's the lowest. Prado, 168. Melendez, 131. Bobby Wood Jr., 137. And I think his is around like 160 in the month of June. So it's been remarkable what they've been, been able to do. And it, it's a ton of fun to watch. I know that they're not necessarily putting as many W's on the board as we would like to see, but still a lot of good things in a really heavy prospect league for them to be able to do some of these things. Very quickly, <clears throat> Omaha Storm Chasers. Um, Manuel Rivera, I think he, he's tied with Ryan McBroom now for the league lead uh, in home runs with 14. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I don't have a ton here. I mean, it, it's AAA is really tough because it's a lot of quad A guys and a few prospects that are just kind of hang, hanging around biding their time. But uh, there's just not a not always a ton to to go off of like we have with some of these other uh, these other teams in the organization. They're winning games, but other than that, it's there's just not a lot. Yeah, there's there's really not. I mean, Edward Olivares had another home run. He's been continuing to just tear the cover off the ball. Emmanuel Rivera, like you said, home run number fourteen. Did want to note that today Jackson Coar made his return to the AAA rotation, struck out six and three and two thirds. 
Um, you could tell he was a little fatigued in the fourth inning because he hadn't pitched into the fourth inning in a while. So um, no, no worries there. He'll get his endurance built back up. He'll be just fine. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I, I do want to comment real quick just because we haven't mentioned him a whole lot because he hasn't been that good. Kyle Isbell going through some interesting struggles. Um, you know, 9% walk rate, 21% K rate hitting 228 the batted ball data is like better than hitting 228 with a 276 babbitt would suggest like he actually hits the ball kind of hard kind of often it's it's so weird and i want to ask nick about it because one thing i heard a couple guys mentioned last year is that nick was like cutting the ball meaning he wasn't squaring it up and driving it in the air as well as he could and it looks to me like that's what kyle isbell's doing a little bit of too so maybe ask nick what he's how he went through it personally, and then we can yeah, – not that Nick studies Kyle Isbell film, right? So we can we can then talk about that later. But just kind of to hear what Nick has to think about that adjustment he made, and then maybe we can apply that to Kyle Isbell later. But, yeah, not a whole lot doing down there in Omaha. They go 3-3, three and three, continue to have one of the best records in all minor league baseball. Uh, and that is your minor league week in review. All right, well – Alex mentioned it a bit ago. Let's let's not waste any more time. We're going to have Nick Prado on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. Alex and I are now joined by Nick Prado, Royals first base prospect, and as of a couple hours ago, the newest member of the top 100 prospects according to MLB Pipeline. So that that's pretty exciting. Uh, Nick, how's it going, man? Good. Uh, <laughs> glad to be here, you know. It's uh... – <laughs> It's been a uh, whirlwind, but you know it's it's been a good year so far, and uh, this team we're we're having right now is extremely fun. So happy to be here. That's awesome, man. We we appreciate you coming on, and especially after a game today. I thought when you because you were in the dugout, did you think that uh, Darren got that one out? I did. I really did. Uh, you know, ball had been <laughs> ball had been carrying pretty good today. And, uh, you know, it, we, we got some, some rain <laughs> right before that. And uh, I think maybe a wind, wind change direction might have knocked it down. But, no, we, <laughs> everybody in the dugout was about to go nuts. It was a hell of a comeback in the first place. And then I was – he hit it, and I just thought, well, that's a tie game. And then the, the center fielder jumped up. And I don't know if he deked you guys too, but, like, the way he reacted on the camera – I didn't think he caught it, and then he threw it in, and I was like, oh, shit, well, okay, game's over. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys have played a few games like that this year where it's a high-scoring affair, it's a lot of fun to watch, and, you know, a lot of that's predicated on, well, A, you know, you and MJ, the the adjustments you have made, and, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. B, some guys that came in, uh, Bobby Witt Jr., Rudy Martin's hitting really well, Clay Dungan's hitting really well. Um you know, your lineup really kind of – it just runs together really well. What, how can you um, speak really quick to just kind of the depth you guys have in that lineup and how much fun it is knowing you could go to the park every day and score 10 runs? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a lot of fun at the plate, that's for sure. Um, I mean, as far as depth, I mean, at one through nine, our, our whole goal is to just be the toughest at bat we can be, you know, like swinging, swinging at good pitches, taking ones we can't hit, can't hit hard and – um, you know, I think we've all taken that to heart and, uh, I think, uh, especially 
guys making adjustments and leading as examples and letting Bobby Witt do his thing. I mean, we, overall, it's been it's been really exciting to see the offense. It's a stark contrast then from the last time you played affiliated baseball back in 2019. Um, man, we, we were talking a little bit off of um, off record right before you got on. You know, coming into the season, I think it would be fair to to say that 2019 was, you know, pretty pretty tough for you at the plate. And you guys go on to win the high the Carolina League championship anyway. And I was talking, um, you know, uh, JJ Piccolo, the Royal Assistant GM, but he had a uh, like a press conference with the, all of the media when the minor league season started in May. And I asked him, I said, "Hey, <clears throat> you know what? What have you seen from Nick and MJ specifically?" taking those struggles with them moving into the double a season and how are they handling that? You know, and he raved about your guys' maturity and how you guys talked more about the championship than you ever talked about your own personal successes and failures. Um, Nick, I got to tell you, man, the, the turnaround you've made at the plate is not like anything I've ever seen before. And I ran um, like just a, a quick research looking for examples of, prospects that went into the Carolina league and struggled in the way that you did and then went on to have big league success. And the numbers are like, you know, there's, there's, there's almost no examples. And then when you run the same numbers for what you're doing in double a, it's like a list of all stars. So, I mean, it's really no secret that you've clearly made some adjustments to your approach, to your swing. People are talking about it left and right because you've been so successful this year and not just you, right? MJ's made some similar adjustments and is also hitting the ball really well. Bobby Wood Jr. has been really good. Clay Dungan has been really good. Man, talk us through some of those adjustments you made because like we talked about, um, no secret really that 2019 probably didn't go the way you wanted it to. And now you're lighting the world on fire 2021. Like Joel just said, you know, the, somebody thought highly enough of what you've done to put you on a top 100 list. So just, just kind of talk us through that progression, man. Um, may take a while. No. Um, <laughs> Go for it. We have, no, all, it, we have it, as much time as you need. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean it, it's no secret. 19 was not anywhere near where anybody's, including especially my own expectations, were, were headed. Um, but I think – looking back on it having having a year like that and being able to take a step back and really look at it through a different lens and um kind of break it down in a different perspective of okay where 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 did things go wrong where where why why were things the way they were and then kind of work backward backwards from there and um you know, it's it's totally it's totally changed not only the the physical aspect of how I view hitting and just baseball in general, but um, really just how I how I view it from a mental standpoint as well. I mean, this game this game's a grind. You know, it's a hundred and whatever games in a season, and you're playing it with minimal off days. So um, there's always that aspect to it as well, no matter how hot you are. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, the, the, first, the first step for me was understanding 
where where my swing was broken down and what I got away from in the past and how I could build on that. I've always been a fairly patient hitter, um, especially in high school, but having those kind of at bats in 19, I, I got away from it trying to force results. And um, I mean, every hitter alive does that. <laughs> But um, when your mechanics are broken down, you're you're at a much more of a disadvantage than than um, let's say Mike Trout or somebody. <laughs> you know, sure. you know and you've, that makes sure. sense. you've you've mentioned a couple times in there the off days and the, and the mental grind that minor league baseball can be. And <clears throat> it's not a real comparison, but bear with me. Is you know I coach baseball in high school and watching our kids come from JV where it's like maybe two games a week to varsity where we're playing like five, six games a week. Like you can see some of the younger kids almost where they, when they don't get a break, it is really hard for them to make adjustments. And I hate to use the word COVID year because obviously there's a lot of people who suffered through that, but in your year off in 2020, did it almost do you think you would be able to make the adjustments you made without the year off to just break everything down? Like you said, because in a normal year you, you go off in April or May to play minor league baseball, and then you don't stop until September. Do you think the year off allowed you to really take a step back, slow down, analyze the swing, analyze your approach, make the adjustments in camp where you're facing your own guys you're with your coaches all the time and then kind of put that into form finally this spring uh, against other teams. Uh, I mean, yes and no. I think, <clears throat> I think for a certain duration of that, of that um, alt site and summer camp and whatever you want, I mean, we even did postseason that year too at a uh, Kaufman, but um you know, I, I I was making adjustments so much earlier than that. I mean, it was it was constant contact with our hitting staff and you know other other minds that I've talked to. So I mean, it as far as making adjustments, I don't I don't think that ever stops. I think I think I would have I would have been doing that in a normal season as well, and I'm still doing it now. Like it's it's this is a constant game of adjustments and. Um, you know, as far as applying, applying the, the approach tactics that we've been using. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I got more from that, from the alt site than, than anything, to be honest. Um, but our little, our, our postseason camp last year, like fall instructs was a pretty, pretty good test for me at least, because it was, it was fresh arms. I hadn't, I didn't really know many of the um, I don't want to say younger guys, but like guys <clears throat> that I haven't played with. Um, so they all had a plan against me and I was just kind of running with it from what we had as a, as an advanced side. But, um, yeah, that was a test for me. And re really that gave me a lot more confidence going into the off season and going into spring this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere definitely was, something that you can grow in, but I, I, I do think I would have been 
been just fine doing that against competition as well. When do you think for you <laughs> did the kind of the light bulb go off for the first time when you realized when you're kind of trying to rework your mechanics and go through some of those adjustments? When did you have that first aha moment that you could tell things were starting to click back in the direction that they had been when you had so much success in high school and, and things like that, you know, at the beginning of your career? Um, I would say, I would say like midway through, through summer camp last year, uh, when we were at Kaufman, um, I kind of went in there and I was, I hadn't, I hadn't really done what I was doing against live pitching. And, um, it was kind of adjustment to be able to do that, especially in a stadium against live arms and, um, coming off of so long without playing, you know, but, um, Halfway through, I had some really good at-bats. I had some walks. I, hit a, I think I hit a homer, and, you know, I kind of just rolled from there. So it was, it was very, like, okay, like, I'm, I'm, I'm back on track. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go now. It's, it's, it's just apply and compete, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, every, everybody at that alt site was, was chomping at the bit to get after it. And it was uh, – we kept it as competitively as we possibly could, you know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of the competition piece of it is what I was going to ask you next is, um, A, we, we asked everybody we've talked to about the alt site this. I'll, just, I'll get this out of the way real quick. Um, best, best pitcher or best pitch that you face at the alt site, go ahead and brag about one of your, one of your teammates' uh, arms real quick. So maybe the toughest pitcher or the toughest pitch that you faced while you were there. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Lynch and I had some battles, some big time battles. Uh, him and I, I mean, it felt like he was making up pitches sometimes because he was, he was just so bored, but <laughs> no, uh, him and I had some good battles and I, I think he was, he was the guy that I stepped in the box and was like, okay, like let's, let's get after this one because him and I both wanted to, to get each other, I think. Well, having that, that, you know, that those teammates that help you, there's, there's obviously a competition piece to it, but it's also when you face somebody over and over again, they start to learn where your holes are and in your swing and you kind of learn where their weaknesses are. Maybe, you know, for you, it's, if I can get ahead of the count here, I know what he's going to come back with. And I know where it's going to be and how to hit it. How does that, you know, I imagine that the the constant competition with teammates allows you to kind of maybe view yourself and, and re reflect on your own approach more than facing an opponent who maybe doesn't know you as well. Like you guys face the same pitcher once, maybe twice in a season. Um, but I imagine being able to compete with your teammates helps that reflection process because you know that they know where your you know where your weaknesses are. Um, and it helps you maybe maybe to kind of exploit them and then and fix them um, more so than someone who maybe doesn't know your weaknesses as much. Yeah, I mean, we were we were just doing it in real time, you know. I mean, we're we're seeing each other constantly, but I mean, that's baseball now. It, it's it's a game of information. It's a game of strategizing. It's a game of okay, like where do we go here against this guy in this situation? And I mean, it, there's a there's a lot that goes on that that uh goes into how teams plan against offenses and uh that's that's kind of what we're trying to 
to dumb down on and just really stick to uh, stick to our strengths here. That's awesome. Um, off the field a little bit, you know, I've I've seen you mentioned a couple times on Twitter, and, and there was a, a news like a little five minute deal about it. Um, you and Bobby Wood Jr. have been roommates, and you know, I, I the Royals are huge on like clubhouse culture and and everybody pulling on the same end of the rope and and all that good yeah. stuff. What um, you know, not that you're taking a mentor approach to you know, helping him navigate professional baseball since you've been in it for a few years. But how, how is it, you know, having a kid like that around and showing him the ropes and, and ha- have you taken on, um, you know, something like a conscious mentor role uh, with the younger guys? I think you would kill me if I said that word, but <laughs> no, we're, we're, no, it's, it's really at this point, him and I are just trying to be as good of, friends and teammates as we can be I mean we 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 clicked fairly instantly I mean I reached out to him when he when he was drafted and um I wanted I wanted to build that with him so the conversations we've had about baseball about really anything life you know it's it's him and I build off of each other and I mean watching him is a is a pleasure and I'm I'm excited to do it for a while too so moving back a little bit, uh, in 2018, you win the, the Sally Championship with Lexington, and then 19, you win the Carolina League Championship with Wilmington. Um, how important was that for you and guys on those teams to, to win those championships? Is that something you still think about in that, you know, that taste of like, victory in a championship? It's a minor league championship, but still significant, and the Royals put a, a premium on stuff like that. The, the core that helped win the World Series won some of those championships along the way is that still something that you and some of the guys that were on those teams think about talk about as you move forward I mean yeah you you can tell you can tell when we get into gritty situations who's been there and who hasn't you know um no I mean at at that point in time like looking back I'm, I'm glad that we were where our feet were you know it was we weren't thinking about the next step we weren't thinking about this and that we were thinking about winning that game at that time and that even even through the struggle I remember talking with MJ about this during spring training like him and I just really wanted to win <laughs> you know like it was it was win at all costs at that point because it was like okay what do we have left to lose and uh, he got hot I did decent in the playoffs and it was it was something that you can you can look back and say, okay, like I'm proud of myself for that instead of just hanging it up and calling it a day. So looking back on some of those those years as well, those championship teams, and even maybe a little bit this year, I know it's still a little bit different, maybe with like COVID protocols and such, but we've loved asking guys like, what's your best like minor league horror bus story or like travel story, like a funny moment or something like that you've had? along the way in your career to this point that you can tell us on air, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a couple. Um, We were traveling through the Carolinas once and we had, we had the air conditioning go out. That was a tough one. Um, Yeah, it was, it was a fairly long trip. We had to, we had to pop the top off and yeah, it was, it was tough, but in Wilmington, I think, I forget where we were going. I think it, I want to say Lynchburg and 
we pull over to the side of the road, busted tire. We're like, okay, we're going to be here for 30, 40 minutes, wait for the guy to change the tire. So we're, we're at this gas station in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, there's trucks stopping through here and there, but it's really nobody there except for us. And um, we're all just like hanging outside. Some guys are playing cards on the bus and some guys are like walking in and out of the gas station just to do something or get snacks or whatever. Next thing you know, we're sitting there for an hour. Oh, yeah, they're going to be here. Two hours. Oh, yeah, they're going to be here. We ended up staying through the night. <laughs> and uh, pretty much just dropped our bags off at the hotel and went straight to the field and played a game that day. It was that – was, that was the toughest one, I think. This is what I don't think some people understand about minor league baseball <laughs> is like – and I know I'm talking about like – the bottom feeders that reply on Twitter every time somebody strikes out. But there are people that exist like this, that, you know, kid has one bad day and is ready to cut him the next. And it's like, like, like you said, like it's, it's kind of one of those crazy stories, but it happens like kind of periodically throughout the minor league season. It's like, sometimes you like, I think people listening need to understand like some of the stuff that will happen to a minor league baseball team, like in the middle of a season, I have heard some nutty stories from, you know, guys getting to spring training or I'm sorry, guys getting drafted and going to the Arizona league um, to play their first years of rookie ball. And there was an organization that didn't communicate with their draft picks that they didn't set up housing for them until they get to the field. They have nowhere to go. And they're calling like apartment buildings and hotels, guys sleeping like seven people in a three bedroom apartment on air mattresses and stuff like the, the grind that you go through and, and obviously the Royals are not that organization. Uh, this was another team. Um, but the, the struggles you go through like dictate a lot of performance. It's certainly not staying in suites at every hotel room you go to in the, in the big leagues. So um, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. And like we said, man, the, 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 the battles you went through in 2019 to what you're doing now is, one of the most remarkable turnarounds I've seen at any level of baseball, much less minor league baseball. Um, you know, I, I couldn't be happier for you just the, in terms of the trajectory that this puts your career back on and, and, and how you can potentially help the Royals win their next world series and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, man, this is really awesome. Super excited for you. Hopefully, uh, in a couple of years when you've made a couple of big league all-star games, we'll have you back on and we can talk about, um, you know, this conversation and looking back and, you know, how funny was it that, you know, 2019 even happened and, and look at, you know, look at what you've made of yourself since. So um, we appreciate having you on, man. And it's, it's been an absolute blast and we really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I appreciate that guys. And it's, 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 it's been unique. That's for sure. But, you know, it, it's, I think what a lot of, a lot of people and players don't realize is that there's, there's ways out there to, to improve and really just hone in on how to, how to better yourself, whether it's a player, person, whatever you want. And, uh, you know, as long as you, as long as you find that process to get, to get it done and really surround yourself with, <laughs> I've, surround myself with people who are a hell of a lot smarter than me. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's really all I got. And yeah, I just appreciate you guys, uh, 
having this talk. Absolutely. Hopefully this is not the last time. We'd love to have you on again. Uh, before we get you out of here, we ask this question to everybody uh, that joins our show as a guest. If you could go back and watch one moment in baseball history live in person, what is it? Uh, Kirk, Gid Kirk Gibson's homer. Ooh, that's a new I one, think I Kirk think. Kirk Gibson's homer. Yeah, I, my dad and I grew up Dodgers fans, so I think that would that would be something something cool to watch, especially since my dad my dad was uh, watching that and he wasn't at the game, but he was watching it in real time, and he said that was probably the greatest moment he's ever seen. So I'd say that I, that is one of the most iconic, like coolest home runs ever. I just it, him walking, he could barely walk, and still goes out there and hits a, a bomb off Dennis Eckersley in Eckersley's prime. Off a Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, just remarkable, just remarkable. Yeah, the, the fist pump going around. That whole, that whole pitching days. staff was oh, yeah. unreal. Was Dave Stewart, who uh, they had a bunch of guys with it. My goodness, yeah. Well, that, that was a really – I think that's a unique answer. I don't think that's the first time we've gotten that one, Alex. So that was really cool. Uh, yeah, Nick, thank you so much. Uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy your off day Monday, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what you do uh, the rest of the season, man. <laughs>